It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Explorations Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work, and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. In studio via the Zoom, I've got Tamar Jacobson. Tamar, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing really well. Thank you, Jeff. So nice to be here. It's so good to see you. It's been a, it's been a long time since we've recorded together. I'm glad we're we're back on the podcast horse. Yes, I am too. I've missed you, Jeff. Oh, that makes my that makes my day. With us today, Carol Cole. How you doing, Carol? doing all right except for the snow i can't complain <laughs> well well that's that's good you know one thing this podcast is known for is the lack of complaining um so, <laughs> so what we do here if you're new to these this is the first this is the first uh early learning journeys episode we've recorded since we put the show under the, the under the umbrella of the child care and bar and grill so so just to recap a little bit tomorrow and i find a, a a guest and uh we record with them about their journey pre-early learning and into the early learning profession and maybe post early learning profession or they we just kind of talk with people about their their lives and their journeys um so carol you're 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 our topic of conversation today we usually start at the beginning so where did carol begin uh, carol began in northeast pa um if you're familiar with the show the office yes i that's about where i'm from <laughs> um, <laughs> um i'm third in line of four kids i have two sisters and a brother i'm the middle daughter all of our girls are seven years apart my mom does not recommend. Um, <laughs> what was that planned or just no, coincidental? No. Um, and my siblings like to tell me that I was the mistake because my older two siblings were planned. Like their birthdays are at different years, obviously, but their birthdays are four days apart from one another. Um, and I was kind of a surprise. <laughs> so, um, and my little sister was a real big surprise. That was, that was the doozy of surprise. Um, <laughs> But that, she gets blamed on me, too, because I um, I remember being little and I made a wish on a moon that I had a little brother or sister that would play with me because my older siblings would not. <laughs> and then I got her and that was the last time I did that. So wow. <laughs> that was wow. the last time you wished. That was it for me. I'm like, I'm good. You're, you're very powerful. I didn't. I, I didn't am. Know. Apparently. I really like that you that you call it um, a surprise and not a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think just like all, well, not all, but a lot of siblings do like they, they love to give me a hard time. And since I was the baby for a very long time, I was dubbed the favorite and 
they used to like to tell me I was adopted and stuff like that. <laughs> lovely siblings that I had. Um, I can remember coming to my mom crying and I'm like, mommy, they keep telling me I'm adopted. And they keep saying like, look, there's not as many pictures of you. Well, cause I'm the third child, like who's got the time, but you know, and my mom just one day, she's like, you know what, if I had to pick one of you, I would pick you. Oh, <laughs> okay. oh my. Okay. Did, did mom say the same thing to the other kids when, when the, she was alone with them? Probably or, not. Or did she <laughs> did she broadcast this to them too? Like like uh, yeah, your sister Carol's the favorite. Live with it. Not until we were grown. Now she does. Like, but <laughs> it wasn't until like we were all adults, and she's like, well, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm probably the most like her though, which is, I think we don't like to admit it, but we all kind of have favorite kids. Uh huh. Well, certainly in the field. Yeah, you know, it's just some certain kids I think you just click more with. And I don't think that's exclusive to the the classroom. I think it happens in parenting. Like with my own kids, I have I have different things I like to do with each kid. So it's like, yeah, since you were the baby and the favorite, were you pleased when your little one sib came along? I was um, too, like being seven years apart. So I was seven when she was born. So I I was able to help, you know, which was nice for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was excited when she was born. Um, you had a little dolly to play with. Oh, I had lots of dolls. and No, I mean your sister. Oh yeah. No, I didn't ever really treat her like a doll. Weirdly enough. I actually did like kind of like the care piece for it and like the helping my mom piece of it too. Like I found that I actually really enjoyed, I think, Like I I had a very good childhood, I would say, but it was not without uh, stress, I guess you could say. And it it was nice that there was, you know, well, I guess it doesn't really, you know, my little help didn't really offset the stress of having another child, but um, it it felt nice to feel useful. Uh What what were the stressors? Um, Well, my mom was a teacher. She taught for 39 years. So, you know, uh, obviously that line of work comes with its own stress. You know, she was generally like, she poured herself into her work. She was amazing at what she did. She was a reading specialist. Um, I should say was, she basically still is. She just freelances now. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, she had come from a background where she, like, she didn't have a lot of support growing up. It was her and her sister. And there were, there were some issues, um, like her dad had died when she was very young. Uh, she has no memory of him, you know, and her mom was not the most stable person, you know, so she never had a support system growing up. So, you know, I don't think she ever understood self-care. So her stress level would kind of be like through the roof a lot of the time. Um, and, that, and then she decided to marry my dad, who didn't really have an idea what it was like to be a husband or a dad. Like he was kind of just along for the ride. Um, and he had a lot of like, you know, some issues of his own. Um, and I was a, an extremely sensitive child. So it didn't bode so well for me. Um, but it, when my sister was born, it was, it was nice to feel like I had a hand in like maybe taking some of that stress or easing some of that stress. Um, it ended up that my little sister was on the spectrum. So there was a lot more stress to come. But it was just kind of nice that 
you know, I was asked to input and I was asked to do things that I could do, like just like big sibling stuff, I guess. So are your uh, older siblings from a, a former father? Nope, we all have the same dad. The same dad. Yeah, so we all have the same, you know, hangry uh, tendencies and everything else. But no, all we're all from the same lovely couple. So, <laughs> so you said you were a sensitive kid. Uh, um, uh, Samantha and I have been recording episodes about temperament. And we just did an episode uh, a little bit ago about... Um, the sensory sensitivity and then one coming up is going to be about emotional sensitivity so what kind of sensitive kid were you was it was it uh was it an emotional thing or was it was it a physicality thing you were you were sensitive to to noise or language i mean what was i would say both mainly emotional um i've always been and i i still am it's quite annoying um very uh sensitive not only to my own emotions but to other people's so I, I kind of have that tendency that if someone is upset, it's it's just kind of, I guess, that overly empathetic kind of kind of deal. And I always feel like that sounds like, oh, I'm saying something positive about me, but I'm really, I'm really not. It's very annoying. Um, I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a do you, influx do you think, of mirror neurons or what, but. Do you think you were, um, when you were a, a child and your mom was stressed, do you think that you wanted to make it better for her? Do you think you sort of took care of her emotionally? Um, I think I definitely wanted to, I mean, I don't think I did, <laughs> um, I can remember a poor lady, you know, the only alone time that woman had is she'd go and, you know, draw a hot bath and just laying it. And, you know, there was no lock on our bathroom door, which is probably overshared, but I would just go in because I didn't get to just talk to her very much because there was so much in the house going on. And she, she well, would always think like I would come in and just put down the toilet seat and just sit there and talk to her. And looking back, I'm like, oh, my God, that poor woman. No wonder she was losing her mind. But I bet she loved having you there. Yeah, I think it was kind of overwhelming at the time, but she never let on. Um, which I think is a big deal because it's not easy to not let on that. You're like, please get out. you know. <laughs> um, but I do think that was a want of mine. I, did, I liked making like I think like most kids do. I liked making people happy. Um, you know, I liked it when people were relaxed. Um, so I would do, I, I kind of learned pretty early how to read a room, like know my audience, like, okay, what do you need from me? Like, what do you need to feel? Okay. So I think I, I did that even as a kid. Um, like I remember getting very mad at my friends because they couldn't do the same, <laughs> like, but yeah, so mainly emotionally sensitive, but also sensory-wise too. Like I did not like loud noises. Um, that could be though, because my dad worked swing shift. So if he was sleeping, oh, you better be quiet. Like no kids playing in the yard, like nothing, like go away, mm -hmm. find another house. What was, what was his line of work? Um, he worked at the local sanitation plant. I don't know. He, um, from what I can surmise, he did crossword puzzles, but... <laughs> Like, I don't... So there might have, been, might have been a little bit more to it than that. Well, he would just always talk about the crossword puzzle. So I was like, well, all right, cool. <laughs> like, and in reality, it was like, you know, monitoring like uh, like machine systems, making sure everything was like running okay. But he would just talk about the crossword puzzle. So I thought that's what he did. Yeah, we get to stay up all night and do crossword puzzles. That's yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. That's a, a cush that's a, gig. Yeah, I like it. 
I'm still looking for that gig. I don't know. <laughs> Is he still in the picture? Um, yes, he no longer lives with my mom. Um, my dad's an interesting story. I don't want to, I don't like telling other people's stories. Um, but I, I will say that um, in his older years, um, he has uh, come to the conclusion of what he missed out on. Like he kind of sees it now. Um, it's something that I never really held against him because I think even as a kid, I knew he was incapable. So I didn't waste a lot of time with, with him. That sounds terrible. No, it but sounds I, wise. It sounds like you I, I just, very observant. I knew, yeah, I knew he couldn't. So, which is, it's when, still when, hurtful. When, but. when did you begin to know that though? Did you know that when you were that seven-year-old? I think I knew it before. Like my, some of my earliest memories, I just knew like, oh, he can't. So one of the things he missed out on, I'm just going to guess here is you. Yeah. Um, and it's not that he never did it. Once we were old enough to do the things he liked to do. Yeah. Um, you know, we would go to baseball games and I was the most often chosen because I was the obedient one. You know, mm-hmm. I was quiet. You know, I, I didn't cause anybody any trouble. So you could, you could take me anywhere. Like you weren't going to take my brother anywhere. Cause that was just, not, <laughs> that was not going to happen for you. Um, and of course my little sister was, you know, it was more difficult to take her places. Um, my older sister, when she got much older, they spent more time together. But like, for me, it was like, you know, baseball games or lunches or whatever. Um, it, I mean, it was only a couple of years ago, actually, I think him kind of watching how my husband is with my girls and like kind of seeing how he's involved and he's like doing things and he's connected to them. Um, it's a really weird story, but I uh, was actually working here at a grocery store. It's a Wegmans if you're on the west, on the east coast you know what it is oh um, i lived in buffalo for 17 years and we had wakeman's as our supermarket it was so oh, wonderful yeah. oh and I, I liked working there but i was actually at work one day and he would he would come there to see me because you know i cannot answer my phone but i can't not be at work when i'm supposed to be so he would like check in on me there um and he actually said i was at work one day and it was almost out of nowhere like he just stopped to chat for a couple of minutes you know not long enough that I'd, you know get in trouble but and he said something about something he, Mike was doing. Oh, that's my husband. And he just said, um, he's like, you know, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how to be that. Like he got like this big, it was actually like a really big moment, like a big confessional. And I'm like, dude, I'm at work. <laughs> like, what? like, I'm like, it's all right. You know, I'll catch you later. Like, what was I, how was I supposed to respond to that? But you know, it, it did kind of mean a lot. Like, well, yeah. And and speaking as a dude, that's the perfect place to do it because you're at work and there can't be <laughs> there can't be the the ugly crying like yeah. we talked about before we started recording this episode um, because you're at work and you're not going to let that happen. So it was an emotionally safe space for him to do that, I think. Right. I, I think that might have been part of it. Honestly, I don't think. I think it had been kicking around in his brain for a while and oh, he couldn't sure. quite grasp it. And it was one of those things like in that moment, he was like, you know what? I just didn't know how. And I was like, yeah, that's all right. And he's not the only one. I mean, I think the world is littered with children who had parents who just didn't know how. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, he didn't have, I'm, and he came from a background where, you know, like his mom kind of rolled the roost, you know, like his dad went to work and, and made the living and came home and watched his programs. Um, but his, you know, so he was used to just letting a woman run the show. And my mom was used to just, you know, she was brought up that you do it yourself. You don't expect anyone else to do anything for you. Like it never occurred to her to look for a partner, I don't think. Like someone who could do it with her. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how she was raised. So in that, in that aspect, they were a very good match. But <laughs> in a lot of other ways, they were diametrically opposed. But and, and, and yet you knew how to find that kind of mate. Um, I did. I, my husband is more than I ever could have wished for didn't start out that way so <laughs> so much I mean it hasn't been like a, a a romp through the roses or anything like that but I think with my husband I knew very early on that I wanted a better dad for my kids than I had you know and that's not to say like my dad's this big terrible horrible person I just knew what I didn't have and I wanted my kids to have that mm-hmm. so you know um we, we've kind of grown up together. I mean, we were together when he was 18 and I was 19. So, yeah, you know, we had a lot of growing up to do in respects to our relationship with each other, but I kind of knew from the get-go that he would be what I wanted for that. You... I'm, not, I'm not sure that any marriage is a romp through the roses. <laughs> I don't know, maybe Jeff's. But Jeff you know. sounds like a good time. I was going to say. Have you well, I got <laughs> to tell you, being, being married with me is just roses all the time. I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to recite it to you this morning, but I actually actually wrote a poem uh, for for Tasha this morning because because I'm a romance and she's blowing me kisses from off uh, off screen here. Um, uh, oh, please no, bring I her. Look, could you bring her in? I want to see these kisses. Um, no, because she's walking around in her robe and she won't do that. I mean, I would bring her in, but she's not going to do that. Um, <laughs> Because that's her. Um, uh, but we'll we'll get more into that when we record my episode, um, which is going <laughs> to totally happen never because I'm I'm scared of Kamar <laughs> asking me questions. Um, uh, I am so, looking forward to that day. Like Carol, how what what? I mean, we're we're skipping around here, but what was there about Mike? Right, Mike. Yeah. Um, what was there about Mike, eighteen year old Mike? Um, when you're you're all cougary, nineteen year old uh, picking the younger dude. Um, what was there about him that indicated that he had that that thing that you were you were wanting for your your future children that you're thinking about when you're nineteen? Or what, is that yeah. was, was that going through your head? Um, I think it was, I think I was just, I was very um, uncomfortable in the dating world. Like I was like, I don't, I don't want to have to be doing this all the time. Can we just cut to the, you know, cut to the one, please. That would be great. Um, he and I were actually just talking about this last night. I said, you know, I don't, I don't really know how I knew, but um, his family dynamic was very different from mine. Like <laughs> I remember uh, the one time we were dating and I was over at his house and now, usually when my dad was gone, my dad would be gone like on a fishing trip, you know, and it was funny because that happened around the same time. So my dad had just gotten back like a couple days prior. I would feel bad, but he'll never listen to this. Uh, <laughs> so he, you know, he had just come back and like he had just like pulled in and my brother walked into the house and he's like, dad's home. And we're like, ah, you know, like, here we go. Because he was, he was not very tolerant. Like he didn't like loud noises. He didn't, you know too much happiness was 
bothersome to him. Um, so like that was the reaction of my dad going, coming home. So a couple of days later, I'm up at his house and his dad was away on business. And they're like, oh, daddy's coming home tonight. You know, like his little sister, they're all waiting up for him to come home. And he comes to the door. Everyone's hugging him. He's giving everybody a kiss, asking them how their time was. And I was like, what in the world? <laughs> like, this is wild. It's like, okay. So I knew I, he had a good, not a perfect, but a pretty great vision of like what a caring dad would look like. And just kind of, who he was like um, my husband's the kind of guy who if it's right it's right you know what I mean like he doesn't feel the need to blur lines to make it more comfortable for himself um like he'll do the right thing like he had a pretty solid moral compass which I was like okay you know and he's young so I figured I could work with the rest yeah <laughs> you get a good foundation you can yeah exactly so, Which was funny because I used to only want to date older guys. Like I was 19. If you weren't 24, don't talk to me. Like I very much liked the guys who were kind of already established. You know, they were in college with a very clear path or uh, apparently my pa- family always thought I'd end up with a politician. I don't know why they would wish that on me, but like, what did I do to deserve that? <laughs> like, and now, <clears throat> well, now knowing me, they laugh. They're like, oh, could you imagine? <laughs> like, no couldn't so young carol was empathetic and helpful what was what was and observant what, and observant what was what did play look like what were you what were you into um we played outside a lot um it was very much a you know come back when the street lights come on scenario you know and up here in northeast pa or nepa as the locals call it um, we had like comb banks to run up and down and, you know, I got barred from playing with those though. Cause I came home like completely black from head to toe one day. And that was the end of that. But we had like a Creek running by my house that, you know, when I got a little older, I would like walk down there and sit on like a big rock and read sometimes, or there was a lot of like playing like random things in the backyard. There was a lot of potions. There was actually, it was a memory that came back to me because Akisha read, but you know, we had like this bucket in the backyard like I don't know why it originally was there but then I got left there but then I got filled with leaves and water and I remember like throwing like pine cones and ink berries and those weird green walnut looking things like in there like there was a lot of that it was just outside most of the time like with sometimes with my siblings not very often um unless we were playing like uh, when we were allowed out at night to play hide and seek in the neighborhood like then I would be with my siblings, but like the neighborhood kids who were not very nice, but they were the kids I had. So Carol, I'm trying to picture Northeast Pennsylvania. <clears throat> my husband um, goes fishing in near Hancock in New York. Is that near you? Um, I haven't heard of Hancock, but it's probably not far. It's like on the it. New York state line. Yeah. Um, um, my family fishes in Oneida. So I know there's like a bunch up there. Okay. A couple so I'm, hours sort of, away I'm picturing the terrain and you being outside and playing. Yeah, very hilly. You know, every time, you know, you had to go anywhere, you had to walk down. Like we lived at the top of it, like a very large hill. You had to walk down the hill, you know, back up the hill, like to the bus stop and what have you, which I used to do in kindergarten, which was nuts. Like I look back and I'm like, what, were we insane? <laughs> 
I guess it's, well, the neighborhood's a little different now, but back then it was no big deal for me to get off the bus as a kindergartner and walk up to the blue pole and turn left and walk over to my Aunt Peg's house, who was actually no relation to me, but. I, I, I'm still fixated on the bucket full of stuff. Um, did, did you, did you ever do that thing where like you, you put all that stuff you talked about in the bucket and then it gets filled with water, rainwater or, or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then, and then you let it, it, it just festers for a couple of weeks and then you're, you're like digging around in it, that, that smell, huh? Oh yeah. Like poking it with the stick. And it's like, and it's not really a bad smell. It's probably yeah, it's just this smell. musky nature yeah. rot smell. And you, yeah. you're taking that stick and you're scooping stuff out and it's just, yeah, yeah. And it's just dripping. And, and I'm like, I know that bucket was cracked too. I'm like, how did it keep the rainwater in it? And I was like, oh, it was from just all the plastered leaves in yeah. there that were just like <laughs> plastered to the side, then dry. And then another thing would fall and plastered to the like you could probably build something like pretty sturdy out of that because that thing did not leak oh yeah you can make like a adobe bricks out of out of compressed leaves or something oh, yeah. um but that's that's probably an episode we need to do on loose parts at some point in the future um so what was what was what kind of student were you i was a very good student i was of course you were quiet i was obedient well um i genuinely was and this, this whole kind of experience has been quite the task for me to sit down and think about it, like kind of chronologically think through me, wild times. Um, I think I was genuinely there to just do what I was told and make everyone happy and learn what I was supposed to learn until about second grade. Um, second grade was the first time I can remember feeling like a failure because oh. I, I couldn't get subtraction facts fast enough. You know, you know, those drills of this, and I couldn't, I just couldn't get them fast enough. And it was the first time I couldn't do something like the first time I had tried, you know, everything had always come pretty naturally to me. Like, I think I went into kindergarten reading. I didn't learn to read at school. I can remember some little book about a puppet show. My mom still has it somewhere. And I can just remember, I remember that's one of my memory kind of sucks. It's like, a lot of my memories are kind of like watching somebody else on a TV with it not focused all the way. Um, but that's one of my more clear ones is realizing I could read that book and realizing that I knew it the, like, and checking myself too. And I look back, I'm like, I was probably like four, but I'm like, do I just know what it is? Cause I've read it before. And I can remember going through the book and just picking random words and knowing what it was. And I was like, okay, well then I can read. So like everything kind of just came to me until the second grade subtraction screwed me for life. The subtraction, I couldn't, I couldn't do it fast enough. And then like by the third grade, I realized, oh, well, I'm really not the smartest. I'm not the prettiest. I'm just kind of very plain. You know, it was like, there was like a new girl that came and she had beautiful red hair. I remember long and, and freckles. And I thought, doesn't she just look amazing like look at her I'm like I brown hair brown eyes man I got nothing here well you know I wrote down two of your expressions um because I liked them a lot I liked the the way you said that you sit down and chronologically think about me I thought that was beautiful (laughs) because I'm thinking of writing a memoir and I hadn't thought of it that way and that's a nice way to think about it Oh, that, that's got to that's got to get Carol into the uh, the 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 acknowledgments of the book when you write it tomorrow. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. absolutely! Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Then I can just quit now. I've done <laughs> done something for the world. I'm good. 
What, what was the other thing you jotted down, Tamara? I jotted down that you, uh, you, it was like watching someone on TV that wasn't really focused, was blurry. Yeah, I was shocked to find that not everyone's memories were like this. Um, <laughs> like my husband has countless, very clear, very detailed memories of his childhood. And a lot of people I talk to do. And I was just like, why can't I remember shit? Like, right? like what's, what's wrong with me? That that's... What do you think it is? I don't know. I've spent some time researching it just because I was curious. Um, and, not and a lot of time. And you're, and you're a nerd. Yeah, kind of. But I, I, I'm too busy with other things, though, so I haven't. The, the closest thing I have found, I did come across an article that said um, that one of the reasons that happens is trauma. Right. Um, but I don't think I would really fit into that category. Um, not that well, I came out of my childhood unscathed, but. No, I, I mean, I think sometimes when we think of the word trauma, we think it has to be really terrible. But I mean, childhood can be traumatic not in a terrible, terrible way, but very difficult because of stresses and fear and, and um, just general kind of um, not feeling safe, you know? Yeah, and I, I do think that's part of it. I think I, I do hesitate to put myself in that category. Um, first of all, because I somehow think it's a diss on my mom. Like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and I, I just mean, is she, is she going to hear this podcast? I don't. That's a possibility. <laughs> that's Hi, a mom. possibility what's yeah uh, well your, it's what's, you know i name? have a son who's nearly 50 and he's got his life experiences as, as, as hard as i tried to be the greatest mother and i have to respect that so your mama would probably yeah. respect that you have your own experiences and i think she does we've had some conversations i'm very careful to try and frame things um so it's not like a judgment on her it's not because i because listen I I like to think that I'm doing a little bit better for my own but I would be lying if I said that oh well I'm hitting this one out of the park you know like no but I also have a much bigger support system than she ever had raising kids I mean because I'm, I have I'm, her I'm intrigued at, at how, how much you take care of her I try to now now I do you, know, you we're always kind of, have we're, we're kind of besties me and my mom You've always taken care of her. I tried. I'm, I don't know if that's a good thing. That's for you to think about later. I, I'm going to throw this out there. In 30 years, if, if one of your kids goes into early learning, Carol, I can't wait to interview them. and, and Oh, and, I know and, what it's going to be. And, and get the next link in this chain. That, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to. Hey, I noticed when you were talking about being in third grade and reflecting on, oh. But you might be dead and, by then. What? You might be dead by then. Well, I mean, I, I might be dead before this episode gets posted. I mean, I, you, you know, I mean, I, I, that's that's where I live. My, I mean, there could be some sort of aneurysm thing. Um, All right, where, okay. Jim. I, I mean, go, go back I mean, to your question. Yeah, we okay, but but I I, I realize you had spent more time in self-reflection by the time you were in third grade than I have in fifty-three years. Um, oh, I don't so congratulations on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, that well, you know, by third grade, well, now by fourth grade, I was just pretty cynical, you know, so by fourth grade, I was kind of like Jeff, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 had, I had figured out that um, most teachers didn't actually care. You know, I think I had figured out that I was not being seen on a pretty wide scale. 
figure and I had how, figured out how? that really nobody was because it didn't really matter why I did things or how I felt about things or what I was going through. What mattered was, did I get the assignment done on time and was it done according to the instructions? Did you subtract fast enough? Yes, pretty much. Um, so by the fourth grade, I, mean, I still played the game. I won't lie. Like I still, you know, yeah, it's getting, oh, she was a great student. Yes. But by the fourth grade, I sat in the back with the kids from like the, the seedier neighborhoods. You know, we're all like cursing under our breaths because we're super cool fourth graders. And we learn the F word. So we're all back there, you know. Oh, Lord, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this one because that's <laughs> going to be a wallop for her. But like, you know, kind of, it was like kind of like cynical. Like, you people don't actually care. Like, but and I didn't think that they just didn't care about me. I think I realized they just didn't care in general. Um, fourth grade was an interesting year too because my mom had the habit of going into schools over what she deemed nonsense. I mean, like writing your spelling words 10 times each. Ugh. Like the spelling homework had gotten to this woman in a way that I'm like, she has flipped her lid. She went in to my fourth grade teacher and she's like, look, there's nothing that backs up this practice. My kid is not doing it, but I don't think any kid should be doing it. Like she didn't just advocate for me. Like my mom would go into a school for somebody else's kid that somehow through me, she found out what was going on. She was going in like she, she had no tolerance for it. But I mean, this guy, his name was Shannon. Isn't that fantastic? This guy, a fourth grade teacher was kind of stuck with all of the the less desirable the ugly pickles if you will Jeff <laughs> like this this guy um what had happened like all the like the popular kids and you know all those kind of kids their parents always requested certain teachers so all of those kids were given to these other teachers and this guy got put with the leftovers and I was of course a leftover because my mother didn't see the need to request any particular teacher for me you know so she went in there and she's like, you're getting a bad deal. She mentored him <laughs> on how to teach spelling uh, more authentically, which was kind of weird for me because all of a sudden I'm watching this guy teaching what I know are my mom's lesson plans. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it's like, this is, this is insane. But I, I think for me, seeing the kind of some of the teachers that I saw, and not all of them, I had some, some very good ones. And then the kind of teacher my mom was, I kind of started to see that discrepancy too. That if a teacher wasn't doing something better or wasn't handling something, it was, it was basically on that teacher because it could be, it wasn't, well, they're just doing what they're told because I had a, a, a model at home who didn't do what she was told. She did what she thought was best for her students. So, you know, I can't, you know, you can imagine where I get some of my uh, storming into classrooms issues what, from what, what year what year is this fourth grade well i know but i mean like oh what year yeah you're gonna make me do math well i want to i want to get a picture of what the world was when well, you fourth were fourth grade year what 10? well you subtract subtract yeah 94 <laughs> 90 you were in fourth grade in 1994 yeah wow i just needed to feel ancient for a moment um <laughs> So 19, what was, I don't know what was going on in the world in 1994. So I guess it OJ. really didn't matter. OJ was OJ. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember we watched it in school. That's how I remember. You did not. <laughs> he put it on. He put the, like the end of the trial, like the, the announcing thing. Oh, wow. 
Okay. I remember looking at a friend going, I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> The, the bad the bad teacher wanted to know what was going on and decided it was a it was a civics lesson. Well, it was after probably his fourth cigarette of the day, and he's like, "Oh, the OJ trying to bring us in." You know, he brings in the whole the TV on his cart. That poor guy, nice guy, Shannon. Yeah, sure. He was named after his grandmother. Aw, and he became a better spelling teacher because of your mom. That's Me that's too. good. So, uh, uh, any questions tomorrow before we fast forward a little bit? I'm speechless. <laughs> So, so Carol, let's let's jump forward. Unless there's there's a a, a a a story that really highlights you and who you are and who you became. But I always wonder. Move forward a little bit into like middle school. What kind of uh, what kind of seventh or eighth grader were you? What was going on during life then? Well, I'll back up a little bit to fifth grade because I realize okay. that this is kind of important. In fifth grade, they had like a mentor reading program where the fifth graders go down and you get like a first or a second grader they give you and you take them somewhere and you work on their reading with them sure and i can remember uh i got my first or second grade i don't remember what grade she was i don't remember her name but i remember being with her for all of like five minutes and i realized how stressed she was like over this like first of all she didn't know me and second of all like over the whole reading thing like she was super stressed and i remember um telling her like how about you read just this little bit and then you can pick any story in the book and I'll read it to you. Oh my gosh. And she was like, okay. And like, she flipped to the back of the book. She knew exactly what so- she had been mistaken. Like they never read the good stories. First of all, no, no, no. We all have to read my mother's chair 8,000 times, but the one in the back with the dragon, no one reads. So, you know, I said, okay. So I, and I would read to her. And then as I was reading every so often, I would ask her what she thought like a word was like, what do you think this word is? And I remember like working with her for a couple of weeks and she would always like stumble over words like the, and I remember going home and asking my mom, Hey mom, I'm working with this girl. And these are the words she's having problems with. I said, why would she always stumble over the, and she just said, well, Carol, what does the mean? And I was like, I don't know. She's like, that's why she can't figure it out. You can't use context clues. There's, you just kind of have to know it. But that was just the first time that I realized um, kind of like professionally, professional development, almost like seeing an issue like, oh, so, you know, that's not what I was supposed to be doing. I am pretty sure there was like an outline of what they wanted me to do with this little girl. And I threw it out the window and I was right outside of the guidance counselor's office. And I remember him coming out and he's like, is everything going okay? said oh yeah it's great she's doing great you know (laughs) I almost wanted to say screw you go back in your office like leave her alone she's nervous enough you know so that that was a big moment then fast forward there wasn't really much in middle school but that's such an important moment because yeah (laughs) uh, I mean you are very emotionally observant I I mean are you calling that empathy and which is a good way of putting it yeah Almost to a fault, but sometimes it does pay off. I don't think it can be a fault. When you get anxious enough that you have a hard time just being with people, it can be a fault. Mm -hmm. Because you're kind of tuned into everybody all of the time. Ah, so that's what you went through as a child. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, it was never like one person at a time. No, it was everybody all the time. That's the trauma. It becomes exhausting, I imagine. Yeah. That's the trauma. That's why everything, the memory is blurry. 
Yeah. Oh, and that's what that article said too. Mm -hmm. I forgot to mention that, that it said like either like blatant trauma, like I don't have like a high ACE score or anything like that. But, but they said that the other thing that they were finding, it was an overly empathetic kids would, would have this throughout their lives, this type of memory. So yeah, I, you know, I guess seventh, like seventh and eighth grade, I just didn't really care. (laughs) I, I was still a very good student. I did homework for other people. Um, did you get paid for it? No, but, but well, I didn't get paid monetarily for it. Okay. I remember that I was actually best friends with one of the girls ended up being like the valedictorian when we graduated, like brilliant girl, very smart. Um, but I had a separate English teacher than they did. And one of my other friends was in that class. And she's like, I have to do this book report and I don't know what to do with it. I'm just no good at this. And I was like, relax, I'll write it for you. And she's like, really? And because I, I love to read. So I had a working knowledge of several books. So it wasn't like I had to go read a book and do a report. So I was like, yeah, how about I do one on the giver for you? Because I always loved that book. I was like, I'll do one on the giver for you. She's like, oh, that would be great. And she got a higher score than the other girl did who did it on the same book. <laughs> so like that, that was my reward uh, somehow. And um, another, another reward that that valedictorian girl she didn't get, get asked to be a guest on this podcast yeah, exactly. did, so she also she's probably a doctor by now she's never gonna listen to this yeah, no nah, she's probably addicted to vicodin or something and in her yeah her i mean you, uh, you should really look her up because i bet you she ain't as great as you think yeah no well do, do just, it after after we're done recording check her yeah, stalker stalker hey, just message know? me and let me know we won't I we won't add it to the episode call. i just i just one think call, how um, i think how fortunate children and teachers are to have you oh, because of this quality that you have um i i think the teachers that i remember fondly are always the ones that i thought felt that um and then but most of them didn't really care because i'm pretty sure i'm also uh, i have like an attention deficit thing which i i didn't that's another one of those things I'm like wait your brain doesn't operate like that like talking to other people they're like dude no <laughs> like i was like oh and then my mom had actually said something to me like again like not that many years ago that she was pretty like she was pretty positive that she had adult adhd and she always had it like she could remember things so i was like oh well i just thought this is how everybody operated she's like no. And it was once I got into my college and, you know, you get into like doing your studies there and they talk about like, you know, adaptations and stuff like that. I was like, oh, so everyone really isn't thinking like this. This is not how everyone's brain works. Okay. Just me. All right. Got it. But so, oh, go ahead. I, I just, I couldn't keep track of everything all of the time. Um, and I tend to misplace time and, and things like that. And that that's not smiled upon by very many teachers, you know, cause they feel that they have to make you feel awful so that somehow that will give you a sense of time and, you know, organization. I'm like, you, you can yell at me all you want, but it's not going to help it. See, we're speechless. <laughs> Jeff was going to yell at me, but I just told him that it wasn't going to help. So now he's got to find a new. No, I wasn't going to yell at you. I was going <laughs> to, I was going to fast forward to the teenage years, um, which would be the early 2000s, right? Yeah, because what year? You, I always you, have to ask my friend what year I graduated. You, you, made it, you made it through Y2K. 
the big turmoil fun, of Y2K. Yeah. Uh, you survived that. You're, you're, let's make you a ninth or 10th grader. What's going on in life? Ninth or 10th grade. I was like, actually very active. Now, at this point, I had figured out that I'm going to community college. So killing myself <laughs> over academics is pretty dumb because I'm going to community college. You know, everyone, some of the stuff I just did for fun. People are like, oh, you have to have these on your college applications. Well, I knew I wasn't making one, but I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. Like I ended up doing like, I was involved, like when I sit and think about it, I was involved in a lot. Like, um, at church, like I helped start a youth group. I did, hang on, did I make a list? Oh, I did the, one of my favorite things I've ever done was the National Youth Leadership Conference. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, it's in DC. So you have to be nominated by a teacher and they send you to DC from kids from like all over the, like all over the country. And there's like mock congresses and all, oh, Jeff, you would, love it it was like because at this point at this point my goal was to be in public relations and I actually wanted to be the press secretary oh this <laughs> well that's why they, they thought you'd marry a politician I think so probably and you know they saw me with somebody very outgoing I think they saw me with somebody like powerful they did didn't get either of those things. They were very confused when I brought him home, but that's fine. Send, sending a child to Washington, D.C. sounds like torture to me. I mean, that sounds like child abuse. And the year I went, service, the year of service to the country, Jeff. Service yeah. to the country. Uh, fuck them all. Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely. <laughs> where are my smelling salts? Touch <laughs> those pearls some more. <laughs> Um, I think politicians are a disservice to the country, but that's another podcast. Yeah. Um, I went this spring after 9-11. Oh, well, that must have been interesting times. Yeah. So most of the stuff got canceled because we were down there when the anthrax thing hit. <laughs> so we weren't allowed our Capitol Hill day. Um, so some guy came in to talk to us instead. Um, we did drive by the Pentagon as they were still trying to clear it out. Like it was, I got to say, like of all the times, that was a wild time to be <laughs> in that conference. But it was very eye-opening because I think, you know, ninth grade, well, I was like 10th, 11th grade at that time. Like, you know what you know from where you've been. And for me to be there with all of these other kids, I mean, and I grew up very race and one political ideology and ended up being something entirely different. But it was the first time I was exposed to people with opposing views. And it was like, well, these aren't bad people. You know, like, well, this is why they're thinking of this, you know, uh, kind of. So I, I loved that opportunity to go. It was a, sure. it was a good time. It really, it really was. Um, what made you change from public relations? Um, as I got, well, that would be jumping ahead a little bit, but I ended up working for the public sector for a little while. And I was like, oh, heavens no. <laughs> just no um, and I ended up going when I went to college the first time to community college I went for advertising because it was the closest thing um, because right. you know when they don't offer your degree you have to find a degree that kind of adjuncts right. or whatever you would call that would like match up with it so I took that one that one I got out of because I realized oh advertising could you imagine if they gave me something that I didn't like 
I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like, <laughs> like, oh, well, this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> but I mean, I think I probably would have been good at it. I mean, I can remember being down there in simulations and a guy from the Hill actually gave me his business card and um, an internship application. And he's like, you know, after next year, turn it in. Never did. But it was like, I, I don't know. I thought that's what I wanted. But I was always like very involved. Like there was that. There was like, I was president of the Interact Rotary Club because nobody else wanted it. So I said, I'll do it. I was, you know, on student council as the liaison to the school board. Like, like all of these like very active things. So looking back, I was like, I don't, I kind of just did them for kicks because I didn't need it for a college application, which is why you were taught to do things. Well, you do it so you could put it on your college application. I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you could just do things because they're fun. <laughs> it was... I think that's when I really started to like realize that the places where I was getting the most out of life and learning the most like about myself about other things had nothing to do with the seats that I sat in Mm -hmm. every day with the exception of psychology I had taken psychology in high school so I could sleep and um could you, could, you, could, could you expand on that? <laughs> so you could sleep in class or so you could understand yourself better and sleep? No, no. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like basically like sleep in class. Like it was like a cake course. In other words, like it was because I had already spent like starting in middle school. I had already since my sister was on the spectrum, like they were talking about what was going on with her. And I had done so much research on, you know, autism and autism spectrum and, and things like that, that I actually got quite a bit of like I had a a good bit of psychology background knowledge just from like looking into that kind of thing you know and I was like yeah it can't be that hard and for me understanding how people think was kind of just what I did mm-hmm. like so oh there's a class on that well whatever sign me up so I don't have to work very hard you know it's it's like junior or senior year but then I walked in and one of the he was a really nice guy but he was like a jock you know he was like good looking he was in all the musicals you know he could sing and he could dance and I walked in and he's like and he was being pompous but like mostly joking I walked in and he's like I'm gonna own this class and I was like well now I can't sleep here because I'm going to have to take you down (laughs) and apparently I did but um I also he's also the one I got the school liaison thing over too like that poor kid like I didn't set out to ruin his like final year but I did Okay, I'm going to need you to stalk him online and uh, report back on what 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 he's ended up as too. So, uh, oh, I there's... I know her. He's pretty successful actually. He got into I think kind of like showbiz, and he's a super nice guy. He always was genuinely nice. So it, it was not like. Why did you want to take him down? I don't know. I just I think honestly, my high school brain is like, no, not you. You have so much. Mm. You don't get this too. You know, he was from the right town. He was a football star. You know, he he looked, you know, he kind of looked like the male version of Britney Spears. So if anyone I know listening to this, they know exactly who I'm talking about now. So, so sorry. Out there, the ma- but Oh, I can't even eat. What? I'll find a picture and send it to you. Jeff. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the male version of Britney Spears looks like. Okay. Um, okay. That's very descriptive. I mean, what am I? Scotch miss? Don't I get the picture? I can send it to you. Sure. <laughs> oh, to. You might know him tomorrow. I don't know. He's probably out in the back. I would. I know day. him. <laughs> I don't know. 
people live in the same state or live oh, in the same place. I'm not from Philadelphia. But you, you've been there a while. Um, so were you, this is something we ask everybody in, in like the high school years, were you doing any, any babysitting, any church nursery stuff, any of that kind of stuff that was early learning adjacent? The funny thing is, like, I, because I, I, you know, I've listened to other podcasts, so I knew the question was coming, and I was like, eh, well, once well, in time a out while. for a second. You did homework <laughs> for this of interview. She did. I've seen She's you glancing reading at, from notes. I, I've seen you. you see? We've we've been watching you glancing at notes, but you <laughs> not as many as Lisa Murphy had. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, I mean, she said she had to sit down and think chronologically. Yeah. So she yeah. has done her homework. Very well, and studious. I was very anxious. So I needed to kind of know the format is all I needed. But I had already heard like Lisa's and I think one other at the time. So I, I had already heard some of them pre, pre-proposal to me about this whole this debacle. Whole, this whole thing. <laughs> I'm still wondering why Jeff chose you. I Listen, you and me both tomorrow. <laughs> no, he, he, I, I trust him. I, I just knew she'd return my email. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think that's the reason. He knows I'm always lurking. So he's like, yeah, she'll do it. Okay. I'll tell you why I, I chose Carol. Um, Carol has show, showed up on some, some live childcare bar and grill things we, we did. And she was, she was delightful. And um, when I, I, I run across a person who I think is delightful, I pay a little bit of attention to them. And, and, and Carol has come across as, as, as really thoughtful and intuitive and caring. And I thought she would be worth learning more about. That's, that's where that can be. Now, and again, I've only met Carol online. So that's what he's saying. As, as, as far as mouth. I know, as far as I know, I mean, many of my, I, I mean, I, I, there's so many people. She, she might just be some advanced AI. She might not be re- a real person. She might just be computer generated. But either way, I thought it'd be a fun conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So back to your notes. Right. Any, any babysitting in the, that kind of thing? <laughs> in, in the, when, when did you first bump up against early learning, I guess is the question. Um. Most like I think like occasionally I would babysit. Mostly it was taking care of my sister, you know, like until my mom came home, and there was a lot involved in that. Um, on the spectrum again, it's not my story to tell, but she would be considered what used to be considered Asperger's. So like I, I kind of had to know a certain thing just to be able to kind of handle her. Um, but then high school. Uh, I don't I don't know what denomination you are but Catholics have something called CCD it's our it's our Sunday school so you know being raised a good Catholic I was in CCD and by the time I got to high school I was the only kid for high school (laughs) like I was the The only only one one signed up yeah everybody else left they're like we have other things to do I'm like oh I'm here so I was there so they asked me to take the kindergarten class I was like all right and I actually taught kindergarten ccd and then i would take in preschoolers too because parents are like they're not really kindergarten but i could tell that mom just wanted an hour for herself like she's like this is my last kid please because you're like do you think i'm like yeah just drop like like i'm doing anything earth shattering in an hour on a sunday with kindergartners you know you ask them a question they're gonna answer either god or jesus and i had another girl who would also answer bunnies and that was cool with me too, because I love bunnies. Like, all right. So basically I just hung out with these kids for an hour. I'm like, whatever, just send them in. I love that so much. <laughs> like, that's just like, people were overthinking this, you know? <laughs> I was like, 
what i'm just gonna oh, jesus or bunnies i yeah, mean that's, that's, that's the I, I i mean i'm an atheist but that's the holy trinity isn't it uh, jesus I god so. and must bunny be. Yeah, I think so. and I, I did it for so. at least two years because I remember the next year another mom was like, "Hey, are you still taking kids too young?" I'm like, "Sure, as long as they say I can." They're like, "Awesome!" We're she yells, "We're in!" And other people's sex. You should be like, um, "Yeah, well, we'll take those younger ones as long as they believe in bunny." Yeah, I'll take just, the red shirts. It's fine. I'm just so more. curious about you know you're interested in public relations, and uh, now I'm assuming you're in early childhood education. Yeah, actually after that i was still in because that was high school so college i was still advertising right well in high school my mother's friends would get like mad at me they're like why aren't you pursuing education i was like are you insane i'm like do you not know i grew up watching what you all dealt with and i don't mean the kids like i i had no desire and i told my mom outright i said i have no desire to deal with the adults in this situation so I don't blame you. Our senior, like here, we would have to do a senior project. I was like the first, of course, I was in the first round of people who had to do that. Turns out I've been a lot of firsts. Like I was the first in the first group of female altar servers for church. And we were like the first group that had to do senior projects. So it was like, why, why is it always me? But trendsetter. I guess um, I actually, for my senior project, it was something I was already doing anyway. There's a theme here with me. Like if I, you make me do something, I'll somehow incorporate something I'm doing anyway. Um, and I ran a Harry Potter camp, like a summer camp for kids. Like, and it was, it was pretty epic at the time because this is before like complete Harry Potter mania had taken over. This is way before any movies or anything like that. Um, like where I had it like set up like Hogwarts I'm like, man, those kids had a good time. <laughs> like, and I remember at the end of it, she's like, what, tell me again why you're not going into education. I was like, don't get me wrong. I love doing stuff like this. Like, like planning things that I know the kids will like and that they'll get something out of. But I was like, I do not want to deal with either admin or parents. Like, I just don't want to do it. But then, you know, when I came back around to it. How like, did you come know. back around to it? That always intrigues me about people in education. Well, when I realized I wasn't cut out for advertising, I just decided to work full time for quite a while. And then I met my husband and then um, we got married. Uh, He was Navy. So we ended up moving to Washington State. And then my daughter was born. And um, actually kind of how I came back around to it is because of him. Um, I remember I came back into education. Well, not completely education, but my current mindset was through peaceful parenting, um, which was not something that I decided on. Um, This is probably, this is like, you know, Jeff likes the seedy underbelly of things. Well, here's mine. Um, Good Lord. um, My husband actually called me from the desert, you know, to ask me not to spank her. And I was like, well, then what do you want me to do? Oh, wait, for you discipline? were you were in Washington State. Where what desert is he in? Um, he was deployed to Qatar. Oh, or okay. some people call it Qatar. Okay, okay. Depending on who you talk to. Um, so he was like, you know, quite literally halfway across the world, just calling me, telling me, "Don't spank her." You know, Why did you say like, that? Um, because he knew I would. You know, and I think well, that's how he was raised too. So he knew that that was 
the most accepted thing that you do. I mean, back in that time, I mean, the American Pediatrics Association hadn't said it was bad yet. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so this was what you commonly did. Well, how else will they learn? And it was that phone call. He said, I said, and I can remember flipping out on him on the phone, like screaming and crying. Like I am across the country from my entire family, you know, like I'm working full time. I have a kid and you were going to call me from the middle of the desert to tell me how to parent the child that you're not here with right now. Like you've got to be kidding me. I said, well, what would you like me to do? And he said, Carol, I don't know, but I'm out here and I'm reading a lot and I just know it's not good. And thankfully I had enough respect for him and I had an understanding that she wasn't just mine, that she was also his. So even though at the time I'm like, this is nonsense, what what the hell, you know, I, you know, I went along with his request. How? Well, when I would get frustrated, I thought when she did something that she needed to know was not okay. I stopped like slapping her on the, on the butt. I just stopped. And I, you know, I was like, well, I got to figure out some kind of way. So I, you know, I kind of, I like looking back again, here's like, even with these memories, they're kind of spotty for me. Like I remember I wouldn't, but mainly I would just get frustrated. I think there was a lot of me just walking away. There was a lot of me just like getting frustrated with her. And then just like walking into another room for a couple of minutes and composing myself and coming back because I, I had no other skill set. You know, I like, like, that's how growing up we were disciplined. Coincidentally, I was never hit. <clears throat> I don't ever, I, and I have asked my mom about this too, but she said, no, I don't think you were. Because again, I was a quiet, obedient child. And I had older siblings who I had a pretty, yeah, yeah, you will get hit. Like, you know, like I saw it firsthand. Um, there was a wooden spoon involved. There was a very creaky drawer that it was kept in. It was like, you heard that drawer, people went running. Although I, that was, I think that was mainly my brother and he was faster than her most of the time. But Um, I just, I didn't know what to do, but then I quickly realized that I also didn't want to hand her to somebody else all summer long. I mean, here, it it really is the cliche. I want some, my summers off, which, you know, I used to hate it when people said that about teachers. So I knew that's not why my mom did it, but then I was like, oh, well, here I am. And then I would hear a, a big catalyst for me was knowing my husband's background. My husband had gone to a small private school a Catholic school. Um, his parents thought that they were doing the right thing by him because they were going to pay for him to go to this private school and it was going to be better than what the public school could offer him. And without telling his whole story, I mean, he was in a situation where he was bullied by teachers and students alike. Like it was just like seeing what, like hearing what he went through and seeing the um, effects it had on him as an adult um, really kind of made me mad because I knew that there was a better way that I knew that there was, there was no reason to be doing that to kids. So I was like, well, I want to give my kids the summers that I had, which was, you don't have to go to daycare. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just go play outside. You know, mom's home cutting fruit for you to eat later. Just go play outside. There's a bucket. There's some leaves. Yeah. Go get your bucket. It's out there. Just poke it with the stick. See where we're at. Um, so then I decided I started looking into schools to go back. I actually did initially sign up for early childhood um, to be, you know, in the lower, because I, I knew I wanted to be in the lower grades. Um, but the school I went to at the time, there were so many regulation changes happening within early childhood with degrees. This was in Washington? That, no, they said nationwide. 
I went, I went to um, um, Western Governors University. You've probably seen ads for it. It is an online school. I, cause I didn't know where we were going to end up. So I needed something that would travel with me. Sure. I spent like a year researching schools and landed on that one. But they said that there were so many changes in the industry that they didn't want to put me through a program that wasn't going to be acknowledged later if all of these proposed changes went through. So I went into elementary and that's how I got back around to education. And what are you now? Hmm? What are you now? I don't know what you do. What do I do? <laughs> Tamar, I don't know what I do either. Don't, don't. <laughs> Don't tell her yet. I want, I, want, I want it to be a surprise about what you do now because, because really you're the first one who does what you do now that we've had on the show. And I think we should just get there chronologically since that's the way you made your list. The way I made mine. Well, I, well, sure. I t- when, when Jeff first sent me the email, I did tell him, I'm like, all right, fine. But I took the scenic route without all the nice scenery. Like <laughs> it, it was not a direct kind of went around. You'll be surprised. Most people do it that way. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. You know, like when I started student teaching, I just showed up and I was like, yeah, I know I'm old. Okay. So I am not right out of like high school or right out of college. You know what I mean? I'm not like 20 something. I'm I'm not, but here I am. So just let me in. Um, So yeah, I went, I went back to school. And how Um, was that? Oh, it was a delight, Jeff. It was just... (laughs) Well, probably not the best time to do it, but is there ever a good time? But I went back to school. Um, I actually stopped working so I could do school. Um, Then we ended up, so I was doing school through a cross-country move because we moved back. And then we ended up living with my in-laws for like a year, which was, I don't recommend. Um, It's not fun for anyone. So I I shouldn't like ring up your in-laws and ask if I could come and stay for a while? Especially not if you're going to say, you know, me, they'd be like, oh, no, 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 we've oh. been through this before. Um, we're fine now. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just hard not have. And then I got pregnant with my second daughter because I wanted um, my older one to have a sibling and I wanted them to be generally close. So, again, timing, not great. But I'm like, well, this is what we're doing. So let's go. And how old uh, is the uh, first one when the second one comes along? Three. 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 That's, she was three. That's good spacing. Yeah. I was trying for two because statistically that's the best, but you know, stuff happens. Or, yes, or doesn't. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. Um, yeah. So, you know, I had a kid. I, and I do have an issue with postpartum depression. So that was fun trying to finish a degree <laughs> with that. That was it. Postpartum depression, living with my in-laws, new baby. I don't know what's going. It's like, let's get a degree. I don't recommend. I really don't. I that that does sound like a a rough road yeah. to travel. Yeah, I mean that just that is just a testament to your strength. Oh, I don't think that's how people around me would put it tomorrow. But thank you for that kindness. <laughs> thank you for that for those guys. How, how would people around you have put it? She was nuts. She was. <laughs> she you could not handle her. <laughs> What did what did what did nuts look like? Kind of just losing my like losing my shit a lot, you know, crying a lot, um, or just shutting down a lot. Like it was not, and it was not cool, and it was not okay. I really did think I was insane at one point in time. I'm like, no sane human being feels this way. 
like none at all. And this was the time, well, we ended up then moving to the house for and now, um, you know, and I'm still trying to get through school. And, and now I'm moving to another house while trying to get school. I don't know. I have two kids. And, and then I actually watched a friend's baby some days too. So it was all like, you know, I, I hadn't caught on yet that I probably shouldn't overwhelm myself. This hasn't occurred to me yet at this point in time. Um, but at that time, I found um, Dr. Dan Siegel, um, who wrote like the whole Bane Child. But for me, because I, I was looking, I was still trying to figure out the whole parenting thing without hitting your kids, which sounds so awful. Like, I can't believe I'm admitting this for other people to hear. I think that's very important for other people yeah. to hear. That, and that's, a, I came to that, I'm like, but other people need to know that you can change. I mean, it's something other people yeah. have been trying to figure out. Yeah. I mean. So I found the book, um, Parenting from the Inside Out by Dr. Dan Siegel. You want to talk about ugly cry? I ugly cried through that entire book. Like, like I don't know if I felt seen or violated or attacked. Not really, not attacked though. I won't say that. But it was just, it was very odd for me because reading about attachment theory and different kinds of attachments. And when he, like he kind of in the book, he'll, he'll give you an inclination of what it might look like in an adult. And I had certain responses to stress that made me think I was insane. But when you read in a book, like your own physical response, and it's in a book, like, how does he know that that's the way my body feels when this happens to me? Like, how does he know that? Like, is he a creeper or a genius? I don't, I, I don't know. But that book was, I think, hugely pivotal for me because it not only made me feel not so crazy, like I had an understanding as to why I was like, like, why am I so mad at a three-year-old? What is the issue? Like normal people don't get this mad over kids doing kid things, you know? But it was at that point that I realized, oh, this has nothing to do with her and everything to do with you. So it was like, okay. So that was huge. And it really helped, like it helped my relationships with other people. It helped my marriage a lot because look, he's in this book too. Look, the way he responds, it's right there. And I could stop taking the way he was responding to things so personally, which I always had. Um, so like you that know- was huge. It's intriguing for me because um, in my last book about children needing attention, I I quote from Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson. They wrote a book together. Um, It's a wonderful book, actually. So it's so nice to hear from someone else about Dan Siegel because I don't hear about him often. Um, There are certain circles where I hear him more. I think it's kind of funny. Some of the summits that you listen to, he comes up a lot. I'm like, how come nobody asks him to be on these summits? Like everyone's quoting him. Right. Right. Bring them on. So yeah. pause, pause for a minute and, and say the title of the book in case there's a listener who's feeling insane uh, oh. for the same reasons you were. And uh, I think we should have that clearly so somebody can Google. Yeah. It's Parenting from the Inside Out by Dr. Dan Siegel. And it, that one's Tina Bryson too, isn't it? I don't know. The, there's a co-author to that one. So I apologize. I know it's a No, it probably is her because she yeah. writes She does a couple him. with him. Yeah. Um. But that was, and I'm glad I started with that one before I got into other ones, because the other ones are more, okay, where do you go from here? But I wouldn't have understand where I was coming from if I hadn't read that book first. Um, Because the next book I read was um, 
Peaceful Parents, Happy Kids by Dr. Laura Markham. And I actually wrote an essay to get a scholarship into that. Like she was like an ongoing program. And I got it just so I could be in that program. Cause I'm like, I, I, I gotta know where to go. But like from there, and then like I read The Whole Brain Child. I'm going through all this coursework who is teaching me like best teaching practices. I actually had a course mentor, which is like their equivalent to a professor. I, I remember her saying, now you all are gonna have to put your rose colored glasses on for this one. They're like, because we are ethically bound to teach you best practices, whether or not you'll ever be able to use them or allowed to use them in a classroom is something entirely different. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, this is a red flag. This is a red flag. Like, why are people not, like, what is happening? And then I ended up in, so from there, like now I'm adjusting my parent practicing. I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm learning about like child development from the ground up, like understanding, like, like for my own kids, I wanted to know, like, how, how are they developing? How is their what develops their brains to do this? How do I make sure that the things I struggle with, I don't like replicate in them. So we're going through that whole thing. And then I got into clinicals. I had to do my observation hours for my elementary ed degree. And teacher was very sweet to me. She was very nice. She had a beautiful classroom. What, what grade is this? Second grade. Second grade. I observed in second. Um, I went home in tears almost daily from that. Why? Because so many things were going unseen. Uh-huh. Because what was being done was counterintuitive that everything that I've learned from how kids develop and how they learn like I had never come across really anything that supported any of what was going on and this teacher was doing exactly what she had been taught to do right and what she had been told to do but it was heartbreaking um it was in a mixed school system I would say in the sense that you got a lot of the lower socioeconomic kids went to this particular school and you had some kids that weren't but a lot of kids that were um there was one little guy who I, I still think about them all the time. We were like one of my first days, we're standing in the hall. They're, they're lined up in the hall for bathrooms. As you know, we have to go to the bathroom all together at the same time. For right. whatever reason. Synchronized right. bladders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So I, I don't remember if I, at this point, if I had a, head, a heads up about this kid or what it was. I think I did. He had come, he was coming from like, he lived with a different family member because they had been taken and I think he would, had just been returned to mom. So we're standing in the hallway and I asked him a question. I don't even remember what it was. I just like asked him a question. And he looked at me and he said, why are you talking to me? And it wasn't in like, it wasn't in like that snide, like, ew, like, why are you talking to me? The kid genuinely had no idea why I would ask him a random question. And I said, oh, I don't know. You just seem like somebody we're getting to know. Now, and he just kind of looked at me. You know, now, two weeks in, this kid greeted me at the door with a hug. This is the kid who was apparently like screaming at principals and, and everything. I'm like, no one sees this kid. You spend all day trying to bribe him into good behavior, but you don't see him at all. Like, and I just have conversations with him. Like, there was a substitute and there was a stupid worksheet where it's like a color by number 
but you got to do the addition facts. Good thing it was in subtraction because I wouldn't have been able to. <laughs> but <laughs> like, and like whatever the sum is, like that's the color that you, you know what I mean? And I was like, you know, and the, the substitutes walking around, like you make sure you get that done. And he, and I knew he liked to color. And I was like, Judas, he's like, I just wish I could color it. And I said, well, how about this? If you finish, and I'm thinking in my head, because as a teacher, you should be thinking, what's the most important of this lesson? Like, what am I actually trying to teach? Like, to make sure you're not interweaving other things that are going to be roadblocks for kids. I said, how about this? If you do all of the, all the little facts, you can color it, whatever color you want. I don't care. And he goes, okay. And he was quiet for the rest of the time. Before that, I, I said, well, let's, that's how I said, I said, let's have a compromise. I said, you what? He goes, what's a compromise? Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. So people are screaming at this kid on a daily basis and no one thought to sit down with him to come to a compromise. And it was like, fine. I, I loved that kid. There was another kid that I guess his mom took him off his ADHD medication and threw him back into class. And he was like struggling. And I realized that they were copying off the board. She's like, come on, you got to get done. Come on, I'm going to take it away. It's only up for another 30 seconds. And I just looked at him and I realized that he couldn't find his position. Like when you write down a copy and you look back up, he had a problem tracking like where he was at. So I just went to the front and watched where he wrote and then held my finger to where he needed to start again. And he was, it was like just little things like that, that were going unnoticed. Like no one was actually seeing any of these kids' needs at all and no one really cared about these it was like right back to when I was like no one cares about these kids they care about what they're producing are you making the notes fast enough is your book report done did you read that many pages I was like what in the world there was another kid who was a new student it was a black boy the first boy was too and they had started hanging out and um I think the the mother of the first one was kind of antagonistic and this kid started to like push some push some boundaries and he was like you know super smart kid always sitting and reading always polite and they saw him hanging out with this other kid and they're like oh we're gonna have to come down hard on him so he doesn't so he doesn't go the other way I was like well the other kid's trying to convince him that the man is trying to keep him down and your your response is to come down harder on that kid does that not prove the first kid's point (laughs) like just the insanity of it all I mean and I remember that kid in the playground, there was another little boy and they, they had a fight. And this, this other chubby little, little white boy, you know, poor kid being raised by his grandma, he had his own issues, said something racial to the other kid and wouldn't play with him. Well, this other kid was athletic, could run faster, throw farther. And this kid obviously felt, and I'm not saying that it's right. And that's, you know, not what I'm getting at. But this other kid's feelings were so hurt. And he just came to me and he's like, he won't play with me. And I said, you know what? Then he missed out playing with a really cool kid. And they made me a book at the end of my time there. And he actually drew a picture of that interaction. Mm-hmm. Like, and I had like one of my prized possessions. Like it's right there. And he's like, I forget. And it was like, but no one, and the teachers, oh my God, the teachers in the lunchroom were awful. Uh, the way they oh, talked about kids is I what had me crying. Oh. And I just came home and I looked at my husband. And I said, they're awful. They hate these kids. Oh, they, it's not yeah. that they can't handle them. They hate them. 
like not a kind word is spoken. It was just, I, that, that was the beginning of understanding that I could not enter an actual classroom ah, public school. Like that was so the beginning. So we're getting there. <laughs> I was like, this is bananas. So we got to pause here. I, I, I mean, there are way too many people working in education who should not be allowed in rooms with kids. Right. And every time, every time I bring it up on the show, I get an email from somebody scolding me for, for talking shit about teachers, but, but there are some shitty teachers out there. Oh my I God. mean, that's, that's pretty, that can be the subtitle of this episode. That's just about everything Carol has talked about. And, yeah. and the only way we can be more supportive, I think of, of the, the, ki- the, the teachers who have fucks to give is to call out, the mm-hmm. the bullshit that all teachers somehow have halos because it's just absolutely. not true absolutely right. the one guy that was there in that lunchroom awful teaching i remembered him he taught in my elementary school and it's one of the most fearful memories i have of being in elementary school is that man screaming in the hallways when i walked in and i saw him i'm like oh no like i was like crap like that was still my and I was the good kid in school. And I'm like, they still let him in. at the. I just saw, I just read in the newspaper the other day that he's retiring this year. Thank God. But <laughs> I was like, you cannot be serious that this man is still doing this, still screaming in the halls of kids. I'm like, buddy, like, I don't know what to tell you. You, you missed your call as a drill sergeant. Get out of here. But you know, I mean, you've always, you've always had this insight. You've always had it. And um, that's what's so interesting to me about people, and especially you, Carol. You had it that with that child that you taught in high school. Right off the bat, the first thing you noticed that she was scared when she had come to learn to read with you. Oh, yeah, the fifth, when I was in fifth, was fifth grade. grade yeah, yeah. yeah, that, that yeah. fifth grade. So, you know, that noticing, it, that is such an important um, characteristic to have you know, a disposition to have as, as a compassionate teacher. And I, I think in a lot of ways that kind of makes me angry now because I don't see myself as anything exceptional. Like people mm. are like, oh, but that's just you. But yeah, it's just me. That's my point. Like, like it's just me. I'm that's no otherworldly being. No, you know, it's like, not about otherworldly. It's, it's like, about... It's about understanding what you've been through in life and, and observing and understanding people and how you put it all together. I guess I just don't understand, like, if I can do it, why can't other people, you know, like I'm. Well, you know, everybody understands their, their lives in a different way and they make different choices, but I want to know what you do now. So, yeah, well, we'll, we'll move forward a little bit. You, you decide that you can't be a classroom teacher. Um, the, what happens next? Yeah, well, I student taught in fourth grade and that went pretty well. I enjoyed doing that. But again, I saw a lot of kids in fourth grade. Now, fourth grade is an interesting year um, because, you know, they always say you have to be a good reader by the time you're third grade. And like fourth grade is when they start really shifting those kids into the serious, like, like you've been doing that the whole time, you jerks. But um, I saw kids who had, and I'm like, oh, oh, I was you once. These kids who everything had always come easily, the kids who were the best students, always top of the class, because everything, they had a hard time understanding things. And did they crumble? And it was, and I'm like, 
Now, knowing at this point, have done, haven't been reading about child development, I'm like, well, this is the kind of thing that should have been taken care of in preschool. That kind of like frustration tolerance and how you approach challenges. And like, you shouldn't be like more than once I had to stay behind with somebody because they were just in tears because they didn't understand something when it was taught. Um, wild. And I was like, well, this, this really should have been taken care of in preschool. But if they've like, the same a, shitty teachers that, uh, that you had for those first four or five years of their lives, oh, of yeah. course they're going to be feeling that way. Oh, yeah. I, it's like, yikes. But I thought, like, this is kid stuff. Like, as a kid, you, you, you get pro. Because, again, you know, reading all of these works, like, that kind of self-assuredness or it's okay if you don't know something. And, you know, I knew that the foundation of that and that, I'm like, okay, well, I know at this point I don't want to go into a classroom. And at the time, my daughter was enrolled in preschool. And a preschool that I seemed to be was pitched to me as play-based. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'd like to work. They're always looking for substitutes. I did, And I also didn't want to be like working full-time right away. I didn't think um, I was right, but that's not what ended up happening. So I was like, oh, I'll just go there. And I ended up at the preschool where my children went. And I put in my application. I squeezed so much information on those tiny lines they give you to like oh well what are you interested in? you know what I mean that should have been the first red flag that maybe it wasn't what I thought it was they gave it a tiny line to explain yourself um and I actually ended up getting offered a position pretty quickly they needed an immediate aid for a four fives class five day all day which I thought was like the lottery because that's the most hours you can get five day all day my little one would just go to another classroom extra days seemed perfect um, and so that's how I got into preschool. I was there um, and I got there and I was looking around and my teacher was probably the best of the three options of that age group. Like she, she most definitely was. But I remember looking at what other people were doing and I'm like, I see what you're doing, but that's kindergarten. Why is it here? Like I, and again, my degree was in elementary. So I didn't know what it was supposed to look like exactly. I did have an understanding of child development, but I knew what I saw was in my training. So why is it here with the little kids? I was like, that seems weird. But, and I was like, well, all right, maybe, maybe this is giving them a head start, you know, maybe. Okay. Um, Luckily that teacher I worked with was into professional development and she got me started on the summits. So I started going like the free online summits that usually come through what like May-ish they all come rolling out. So I was learning about like sensory integration, which I had known a little bit about because of my background with my sister. Like I started to develop all these knowledges, like uh, knowledge, like of stuff to do with kids who are having issues in class and how can I do this and like reaching some kids. And the following year, the classroom ended up being mine because she took a better job. Um, So then I tried to change a little more. I was like, trying to get away a little more, even from how structured it was. It was like, I feel like this is too much for them. Like, this isn't appropriate. Like, and then the big light bulb moment was the year, like, like my first year. And then we were closed for COVID. And I watched a summit and I saw Keisha Reed speak. And it blew my freaking mind. It was, she did a talk on loose parts. And it was honestly like someone had turned on the light. Like it was a true light bulb moment. I was like, oh my God. Like, and just like her energy, everything. Like I stand for Keisha Reed. 
I'm a groupie. It's weird, but <laughs> like, it's my dream to be able to go and, and see how her facility functions. But when she was talking about like her facility and how I'm like, how can this, this works? And she's the one who said, well, think about your own childhood. What do you remember? What, like, what memories do you have? She said something about the backyard po- potions, which brought back me to that bucket. And I was like, oh my God, that is, that's what it was. So she was talking about loose parts and having kids make the decisions. And it was just kind of like, oh, the problem isn't meeting all these kids needs to fit this classroom. The problem is the classroom. Like, I think that was like my biggest like paradigm shift on how I taught. So you better believe my, my room the next year, which ended up being my last year, which was, which was last year. Um, I had loose parts. We had much more freedom to do what I, I drove the other teachers bananas, like bananas. Cause they said on paper, they were play-based, but they weren't, you know what I mean? It was that learning centers and they get to choose their center. No, they don't. They're all putting on timers for how long the kid could be there and then shuffle over to the next one. And I just actually kind of started getting like mad, like from Keisha Reed, I was like, yeah so I started reading more and more and then the next summit that came out I saw Lisa Murphy speak and I was like she's just gonna say it like she's not trying like there's a lot of people and I remember Lisa saying this once everyone's trying to be nice about it and I was like I've been wondering like why is no one saying anything and I found the lady who's saying it is this lady and her name is Lisa Murphy and she was unapologetic about it you know, she explained it. And I'm like, you know, I'm texting people. You got to look up Lisa Murphy. I'm getting books. And then like from there, I started jumping into like other people. Like I found David Elkind. Um, I don't, I don't think I've been that mad in a long time after I read, uh, read Miseducation. <laughs> I was so, I, for like a week, people couldn't talk to me because I was so mad because he's talking about how long they've known and I went back to look when he wrote the book. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The 80s. And he, like, why are we still like, I was so, I, I almost felt like a kid again. Like, how come the adults didn't take care of this? Like, what, 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 what is this? This is ridiculous. And I, I became more unhappy because I realized that my work environment was preventing me from being the teacher that I wanted to be. You know, you're worried about the people coming in or people, and they did talk smack about me. Ooh, Lord. Um, I kind of got into it with the kindergarten teacher over my own kid at one point. Because um, I just, she stopped doing sight words. I was like, I'm not making her do it. The end. Um, <laughs> I just, I just was starting to get really mad. And I realized that, like, if I needed a break, like, it was all on me because no one else is doing it quite the way I'm doing it like everyone else is worried about classes so if I needed a minute I didn't have someone that could come into my classroom and honor the kids while I took a moment there was lots of people who were going to come in and start screaming at my kids for whatever they were doing and I was like I can't work in a place like this first of all I feel like I'm enabling because I've become the blurb for the parents who are looking for true child-led well they got the tour that came through my room like it was like, oh, for this style, like, so they could put it on the web. I'm like, I don't want to be a blurb. And I also don't want to work for somebody who lets me do what I want. I want to work for somebody who believes in what I do. Like, and I was just getting very angry. COVID did not help. 
at all. I mean, across the hall, the other teachers were the ones like taping off the squares. Like, ooh, when I heard that podcast, I'm like, I got them over here. They're right here. They're taping off the squares. Um, I was so unhappy. Um, and I'm just like, oh, what am I going to do? I can't just walk away. I can't just give up. But it was killing me. It really was sucking the life out of me. I, I was getting grouchy with the kids. Like it was, it was a mess. And then I saw Lisa Murphy on another thing. And she said, and she, I was like, this is the part I was afraid I was going to cry for. And she just said, it's okay to walk away. She's like, if it's not working for you, it's okay to leave a place. I think she might've even said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's okay if you have to leave. And I was like, well, Lisa Murphy says it's okay. <laughs> like, cause I was, I was done. I was worn out. So that, that's when I started to think, okay, I, I got to do something else. Like I, 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 I can't, I can't stay here. It's not good. Um, and then they started being very nasty over COVID things. And I, I was not going to bow down to them for that. I became more vocal. I became, and I really started to understand that I was getting lip service. It was very much, oh, uh-huh, isn't that great? But the director who told me that she loved child-led and loved that I let them play is also the one putting the other teacher who's got, you know, all of the worksheets and does all the cutesy craps. That's what's going on Facebook. Like, that's what they're promoting. And I was like, uh. and she's also the one telling me that our kindergarten was the best because we had more sight words required than the public school. I was like, you're joking. My mother had been on my case when my first daughter went through there. Like I was clueless. I was again, postpartum depression, going through school. My poor first kid, like I just thought she was the nervous type, honestly, but she academically, she was ready for all of that. So it didn't really, I don't think it rubbed her quite as raw as my younger one, but my mom had been saying forever, why is she doing this? This is not appropriate. I was like, please don't storm into this school too, mom. Please, I can't. Like, it's like, oh no. So when, when did you when did you quit? Um, I actually quit my last year. That would last year was my last year. I told her I wasn't coming back during my glowing review. She got done saying all of these wonderful things, um, which I almost would have felt guilty about if I didn't know that most of them were lip service. And I just said, I'm not coming back. And I told her why, you know, uh, COVID reasons aside, I'd already been thinking about leaving. And I said, cause this is not, and she's like, well, you know, the board won't listen. And, and I'm like, you're the director. And I remember just, I told her, I said, listen, because at this point I did have some friends, the lower set, the three-year-olds, I was friends with the threes teacher and they were very like-minded. We would like watch then videos together. And like, we would like, you know, shop talk and brainstorm and about stuff so they were headed in like a much more play um like they, they were awesome like play and really focusing on the whole kid and they were doing some really awesome things and I just looked at her and I said listen you're gonna lose half of your staff I understand that's hard I said but it's up to you which half you lose <laughs> well let me tell you she's not losing the better half or she's not losing yeah she is losing the better half she's not keeping the better half you know, the people with the timers and the taking your hand to put there and making sure you put everything in the right spot. That's who she's keeping. But 
it was I just I, I couldn't deal with it. And then I decided that we were going to homeschool after seeing like uh, my youngest had gone through. She really should not have been pre- in preschool all those hours as I was working, you know, me being selfish. I'm, I'm worried about me. Then it didn't occur to me until later how hard it was on her because she did have teachers who were not who needed kids to act a certain way. And that took a toll on her. And then kindergarten on top of COVID stuff was very hard on her because now it's, you got all these other things to worry about. And my daughter who is um, in the local public school here, even before COVID, I saw her get more depressed every year. She was always this inquisitive kid. She always had a great imagination. She always wanted to learn about things. She always wanted to know about things. I mean, this is the kid, she was like probably maybe four. And she asked me how we grow. But she's like, but don't tell me about muscle food. Isn't it like, oh, you have to eat your muscle food first? She said, no, 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 don't tell me muscle food. She goes, how does that make you grow? Like she wanted to know like the molecular level, like what is happening within the body? Like how, and there was less of that every year. And she just got sadder and sadder and just didn't, she would never read outside of school, which killed me. And that's what he's like, just pull them out. My mother actually told me to pull her out probably two years prior. She's like, pull her out and give her to me. It's fine. I was like, slow down, ladies, slow down. Um, but that's when I decided to homeschool. I said, that's it. We're done. We're, we're pulling out. My husband was delighted. And I'm ever so fortunate that he makes sure that we can do that. Which brings me to now. I get into the homeschool section and find out that people are doing the same stupid stuff the school is doing. But at home, I was so excited to be in with this group of like-minded people that were like getting it. No, people asking, what's the best curriculum for a two-year-old? I thought I was going to lose my mind. Like, oh. Which is how I ended up, like, that's how you know I just had a complete mental lapse. I just started lurking about in Jeff's email thing. Because the episode that I, the summit that I saw with Lisa Murphy, where she gave me permission to quit my job, <laughs> Lisa said I could quit, so I'm going to, um, was the same episode. She's like, well, I'm on this podcast that I've kind of hijacked with this guy, Jeff. And I started listening and I'm like, oh, he says the things I'm thinking too. This is pretty funny. But then I get into homeschool and I'm like, it's not like I spent, I had to dig real deep for any of this information about what's best for kids, about how I, it wasn't like I'm some kind of genius that I had to, you know, dissect legal or medical documents. It's right there. You just have to look like how is a whole, all, no one, no one's looking like it's so frustrating. It's hiding, it's hiding in plain sight. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it. Like, and sometimes I'm like, maybe it's just me getting this heated, but I saw Ray Pika the one time she started the, like a podcast and she goes, you know, I'm really getting tired of having to talk about this. And I was like, okay, it's her too. Like what's happening? Like I couldn't. So, and for homeschooling, I had started out with a different idea of homeschooling. Like I thought, oh, well, the beginning of the day would be structured and we'd be done in a couple hours and they can do whatever. But now we've, we've transitioned to like full on home, un- unschooling territory. So, so tomorrow. Carol has gone from being a disgruntled uh, uh, parent to a disgruntled early learning person to a disgruntled homeschooler. Well, you know, I know, I know a, a family down the road who really do the most amazing things with their children. I mean, it, it's, she's phenomenal. 
and she belongs to a really good organization of homeschoolers. So uh, if I have your information, I could maybe link you up with her because oh, um, sure. this family really, if I, if I could only take them with me when I present just to show what you can do with children in every way, every way emotionally curriculum wise whatever there there's there's a lot of amazing homeschooling going on out there and and i mean one of the bright sides of the pandemic was the fact that a lot more families like carol here decided that homeschooling could be an option i mean uh there was a i mean what what are the numbers like um the increase in in non Caucasian homeschooling boomed by 20 plus percent or yeah, something over 20 percent. And, 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 and so, because, I mean, for a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of the, the, what you hear about homeschooling is, oh, that's for, for economically well-off white people is, is what, what or you crazy heard. religious people. Those yeah, are the other. Yeah. That yeah. And it was just kind of this niche group, but a lot of parents, they, they looked at what was going on with schools during the COVID and, uh, and decided to make some changes. And, and my hope is that, uh, that they they stick with it or some version of it when things get back to what we're going to call normal, I guess. And I, I've talked to a lot of parents. I think a lot of parents, they all like low key know. They're like, we didn't learn that at this point. Like they know, they know that it's, and they knew that they don't remember most of what they learned. Like they know. And I'm like, well, then why aren't more people who can take that jump taking the jump? I mean, I. I was raised in a situation where mommy makes the money and mommy goes to work. And I think it never occurred to me that there was another option. Not that I was ever explicitly told like, oh, stay at home moms are lame or whatever. You know what I mean? I was never told that, but I just, I, I grew up with that role model and I thought, well, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I talked to a lot of parents and I'm like, well, that's you. You can do that. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, you know, your kid, like I spend so much time now pep talking parents that I talk to into understanding that yes they can and I said listen when you come to a bump in the road do you think that teacher that in that public school automatically knows your kid at least you're gonna try to figure it out and try to do something different I said not he's a disturbance she's a disturbance and this does and I've seen it firsthand like a disruption yeah like like young black kids good gravy you know they've got a white kid sitting right next to them doing the same thing never gets called out but for some reason these kids were like jumping on top of like stop that like listen either let everybody do it or let no one do it better yet just have everybody go home and play (laughs) (laughs) so you're homeschooling now there's been some talk that you you might want to start your own program at some time is that still in your mind or oh it really is but the thing about quitting your job is that you don't have any finances um, and there's a cohort of mine where she's still at that school. I think this will probably be her last year, but they don't get paid anything. Like I made $7,000 a year. Oh my God. Yeah. That's what it, basically, and most of that went right back into that classroom. Most of that went into, cause I would purchase the professional development cause I needed to know. Um, so it's like, and my friend said to me the day, she goes, who are we kidding that we could save for something? She goes, we make $7,000 a year. Where are we going? Like, I was like, I know. Um, In the beginning, and I remember I mentioned this on one of the Zoom, I thought, well, I started thinking, well, maybe I can do like almost like a please touch museum where it's not a school. So there's none of that red tape and I don't need all of the actual like the regulations of what you need space wise. 
Like, what if I could just have parents come set it up like I would set up a classroom so that the kids could just play there with other kids. Meanwhile, the parents stay and I can kind of talk to the parents. Oh, you see what she's doing there? This is what's happening in her brain right now. This is what that's going to lead to. It's like, maybe I should do that until I could save up money to open a, um, a preschool of my own. That's a beautiful idea. A kind of a pop-up play kind of situation. Yeah. And I was like, it, it started out as a, maybe I could do this until I get enough like money to open a preschool. But, and not, I still want to open a preschool, but I feel like it's not enough now. Like, I almost like flipped. I said, no, I think that drop-in place is what I actually want. Because I don't want just pre-K kids. I want older kids to be able to come and play too and to talk to those parents. Like, oh, see, this is what he did all on his own. Like the stuff my daughter has learned from watching Hamilton twice a day for like months on end is unreal. You know? She knows what a person is. Something like that would give you a lot more freedom too. Oh, yeah. Our our latest project is we found out that there's no child-friendly resources for uh, Hercules Mulligan. Like you can't, they could find a lot on Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, like a lot of these people you could find like a lot of like, like kid geared things towards, but there's nothing on Hercules Mulligan and come on, he's a spy. It's so interesting. So I said to her, we'll research together. And she wants to make like a little Lego presentation <laughs> about Hercules Mulligan. Sure. Let's do it. Um, but I think kids need more of that. I'm, I'm kind of the new possible plan, although for mental health reasons, I'm not like running right to it is for me to go back and get my master's um and hear me out because it was not something i'm like i'm not paying ten thousand dollars to for what for them to tell me nothing i know how this works um but there is one that's kind of like a it's a business thing along with it and i wouldn't have to pay tuition so um it's worthwhile it's like having a license but i think i i want a bigger megaphone like right now how am i supposed to consult they're like are you kidding me? You have a bachelor's and it's not even an early childhood. I, I want that early childhood marker. And I was like, and, and you taught in a school for two years. What the hell do you know? I'm like, fair enough. You know, I feel like if I had a master's, I'd have a little more platform. Um, currently I have my mole working for me. My, my mom is like heavily involved in the library and she does outreach to preschools. And I, I will talk her ear off about this. Like constantly, I'm constantly on some kind of toot which apparently she loves to watch, but she's learned a lot and has started changing because her specialty was, she never got to work with the little littles because she was elementary. So she's like, and she'll like plant seeds where she is like, you know, you know, they really don't have to sit still when I read a story, you know, she never required that anyway, but like stuff like that. But I want a place where kids can come and play essentially kids of all ages. It doesn't matter. I want a place where adults can come and see that it does work. Like I, I need something concrete, kind of like how my dream is I, I got to get to Keisha Reed. You know, <laughs> like this is some people plan trips to Disney. I'm planning to see if Keisha will let me in for a couple of days. Um, like they need to see it in action. And I need a jumping off point to do outreach. Like that's my main thing. Like people won't do it if they think they have to do it by themselves. I think because it's too scary. It's not the norm. They don't like, well, how, like, like me, when my husband gave me that phone call, please don't spank her. Well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, I want to be able to the person that says, well, here, what you can, here's what you can do. Let's try this. So that's where I'm at right now with my small bank account and my big dreams and my. 
That there you go. To, now, tomorrow, aren't you happy we didn't rush forward and tell you what she was doing right now? Aren't you glad yeah, you, really, you to hear the story unfold? Really, really. I think the big dreams are very, very um, accomplishable. That's what I think. I, my, my new thing now for myself is I'm getting very irritated, mainly partially with the system, of course, but partially with myself because I'm, I am not really a spring chicken anymore. Like I feel, excuse me. Well, it's, I mean, you can't say that to me, but when I hear, and I, when I hear like a lot of, I'm 73. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm 72. I'm going to be 73. (laughs) (laughs) Don't push fast forward. God, I hope I look like that. I might, I don't know. But it's You're like, very young still. You can do so much. But in the last week, I've been thinking about this because I'm constantly feeling like I'm past the timeline. No. Like most people get into this. My mom was very kind to me the other day. I said, yeah, mom, but I, I jumped in the game late. <sighs> I'm late to the game. And she said, Carol, do you know how many years teachers spend trying to find what actually should be? She said, you just skipped those years. That's all. Absolutely. I mean, I, I started my, my education, real education, when I was 49. Oh, uh, 39. I'm sorry, 39. Good. Um, I, and uh, I came to America and I had to finish a BA. I had an associate's degree and I did BA, master's and doctorate. And now I have written three books and I'm, I'm 72. You have plenty of time. This oh, is the age to do it because you're more experienced. You, you understand life a whole lot better now is the time you're like hope personified tomorrow <laughs> you are you are the hope personified well and I was thinking to like lately I just had to because I was really getting upset like it really was taking a toll on me that I'm, I'm not in a position like I'm also not willing to jump in like a lot of like you just got to take the jump like if I just had to take the jump fine I'd take the jump it wouldn't be the first time I landed on my head but I'm jumping with two kids and a husband you know, who, like my husband has worked so hard to get us to a place where I can stay home with my kids. So I feel bad. First of all, like, I'm not going to sit here and complain that I don't have enough money to buy a building, like seriously, but I don't have to go to work. Like I'm given the opportunity. I can stay home. And and that's why your, your pop-up play idea. I mean, look, he's, he's still in the military, right? Yeah. Okay, so all he needs to do is drive off base with some empty blue conversion van, and <laughs> boom, you've got the beginning. You fill that up with loose parts, and then you start announcing when you're going to show up, and you charge whatever you're going to charge, and then people show up, and then boom, you're done. Oh, me and the loose parts. I've become like the I'm like the Pied Piper of loose parts now. People, yeah. See, all, all you need is a a windowless, creepy van. To haul yeah. that stuff around in, what and you'd po- be good to go. Free loose parts. What could possibly go wrong with this ad campaign? Yeah, well, I mean, little... you don't. You don't <laughs> want to have. You don't have. You don't have like a kittens and candy in your creepy van. Right. You want. I mean, right. that could go horribly wrong. Carol, I was thirty nine. I took my fifteen year old son from Israel, came to America, completely different culture, and went back to school with very little money. And I think that's that's why I'm taking that I think as much as I just want to get something started like I don't want to be bothered with the, the extra degree and whatever like I have to take a second and I ha- I'm, I'm trying to tell myself too and it was kind of like a oh and I honestly wouldn't have probably thought of this I don't know if it wasn't for this whole podcast thing 
But I'm like, where did I get this idea that there was a set timeline? And if I didn't achieve it by this timeline, it's too late. That did not come from my parents. That's an interesting question that you can look at while you're doing this stuff. And and, and really, really, Carol, there is a timeline now because I'm going to be bothering you about (laughs) about moving forward because because just for I mean, my whole life is content creation. Right. And so I'm going to be wondering about when we're going to do part two of the story of Carol. And so you need to get shit moving so that we can come back and interview you and and find out how things are going. There was a real nice church for sale. If you can find like 12 people to give me $10,000, man, am I in. Man, am I in. That's what Arlo Guthrie did. He bought the church from the, the movie and he's got a wonderful institute there now. You can do these things. For, forget Next the time. building. Forget the building. Do, do the other yeah. thing. You I like the a- sound of the truck. Well, now that if the weather would, co- as I'm looking out at the snow now, the weather would cooperate. I think my first step is to start off doing more offerings for the homes. Like, cause I'm like, obviously homeschool groups for around here. Mm-hmm. I want to start there. Okay, uh, I but- have some, I have hmm. some run-ins at the, at the library. There's a, there's a working issue there, but I, I just got to start doing some things. And, but and I don't worry like- about the weather. You can, you can, true. I mean, you live in that weather. You can do stuff outside in that weather. Yeah, my bones hurt. I don't want to go. <laughs> well, you know, you just quit. You just quit just recently. Yeah. And so you need a few months just to get yourself together. I attempt as a Hamilton quote, I'm always kind of worried that I'm going to be like the Alexander Hamilton of uh, early childhood. Like I tend to get overexcited and shoot off at the mouth. So like I have to. Information kind of, exchange this morning, put out a, a one, you know, they always have a weekly, a, a daily kind of thing, a blurb. I don't know if you ever get it, but you, you should sign up for it. But anyway, they, they, they put my article on self-compassion today. You need to have some self-compassion right now. To get I, yourself together, I and I think I, I that's what I'm trying to do, and I and not and not only because really if I go back for my master's now Jeff will appreciate this little loophole. I wouldn't have to pay for tuition because my husband signed up for enough years that he can transfer his GI bill to family, like to either me or the kids. I wouldn't need the whole thing, and it actually works out that um, we get a basic allowance for housing once you enact the GI bill. So I could actually, we would actually use that money to pay off my first student loan. So it's like the money just, it's all their money, but I'm just kind of circling it around. Um, But it was like, it's a financial opportunity as well as it'll give me more standing. And really there's, there's business courses involved in it, which I need because I I am not a business person. Oh, okay. So you, you got to do both things at the same time. You need to start the, uh, the, Hey, here I am as a play resource thing. That's basically what it is because, because when you go back to school, you're going to need to do, do have examples of things. And so you can, you can, you can turn your schooling into the beginnings of your business. It'll be, it'll be fine. Well, that's kind of a plan too. Again, I tend to do this in life. If it's something I'm already doing, I kind of tie it into what I have to do together. Yeah. Like work smarter, not harder kind of deal. I don't don't know how smart I'm working. (laughs) I I think that sounds like a good plan. And listeners will be back with part two of Carol at some point in the future. Um, Any final thoughts before we pull the plug on this just about two hour episode? apparently apparently not oh i have i have i'm just very very honored to have met you carol 
Oh, thank you. I was I was most nervous, but I'm I'm getting used to Jeff. But I was nervous to come on and have Mark talk to me. I was like, she's gonna be like, why is this lady here? <laughs> <laughs> Tamar is less nervous making than I think. Tamar is Tamar is sweet and kind and doesn't swear as much as I do on podcasts. So yeah, I mean, I needed smelling salts today. She's she's some some uh, she's 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 some kind of chick that tomorrow yeah. and you're my kind of guy jeff <laughs> hey listeners this has been the child care bar and grill podcast early learning journeys edition we'll be back soon with another episode we've got some more fun interviews coming up and uh we can't wait to bring them to you thanks for listening you need more carol uh carol's uh, actually started sharing some stuff on the playvolution hq site so if you you click over there you can find carol cole's content she's been on some podcast episodes and uh we're going to keep track of her because uh, uh we think there's a there's a lot going to be happening there in those couple of years um right carol Yes. Now, see, we've committed to it now. Now it's got to happen. It's in stone. Back soon. I'll let the family know. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.